Reading the Bible in chronological, historical order seems like a really good idea. So why don't more people do it that way? Hi, I'm Yvonne Pran, and welcome to Bible 805, where you learn to know, trust, and apply the Bible. Today I'll talk about why you probably haven't read your Bible in chronological, historical order. I think you may be very surprised at some of the reasons, so let's get started. Our topic for today is five reasons why you probably haven't read your Bible in chronological historical order. Before we begin, remember that this lesson is part of a three-part series, reading or listening to your Bible in chronological historical order. Though each lesson is useful on its own, all three lessons in this series go together for a complete understanding of the topic. The three lessons in this series are, number one, the nine benefits of reading your Bible in historical, chronological order. Number two, and that's one we're talking about today, five reasons why you probably haven't read your Bible in chronological, historical order. And number three, why our Bibles aren't in chronological, historical order. That one's, I think you'll find quite interesting. Please plan to listen to or watch all three of these for a full understanding of this topic because it is incredibly important. Reason number one, why you haven't read the Bible in chronological order. And by the way, I'm just going to say read. Please keep in mind I'm talking about also listening. You'll find out in just a few minutes why listening is included. And I'm just going to say chronological order instead of chronological historical order. I guess I'm just lazy in wanting to make the title a little bit shorter as I go through it. But keep in mind that I'm talking about reading or listening in chronological historical order as I go through all this. But anyway, let's jump in and go back to reason number one, why you haven't read the Bible in chronological order. And that is because I don't like to read. You aren't alone if that's the reason you haven't done it. If you're listening to this as a podcast as opposed to reading it, you may be someone who prefers learning things by listening, and that's perfectly okay. You can take in the content of the Bible in that way also. There is no greater spiritual benefit in reading over listening, spiritually or in any other way. In reality, If you choose to listen to the Bible, you will be taking in the content of the Bible in the way a majority of believers throughout all of history have taken in God's Word, and that is through listening to it. In the Old Testament, we find many instances of people listening to God's Word being read to them. In Deuteronomy 31, 11-13, God says to Moses and to the priests who were to follow him, You shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your towns, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Later Joshua read it to the people as did Josiah, Ezra, and many others in the Old Testament. This was obviously necessary because not everyone had a scroll in the corner of their tent or for that matter very few people in that day knew how to read. 
This whole thing may be obvious, but we forget about this historical reality. Now, in the New Testament, it really wasn't any different. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Paul mentions again in other letters that they are to be read to other churches as well as for them to share the letter that was written specifically to them. When we think about it, we realize, of course, as with the Old Testament, not everyone had a scroll in their homes that they could pull out to read in their morning quiet time, nor did they have personal copies of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. In fact, throughout most of human history, few people had personal copies of any book let alone their scriptures, and most people were also illiterate. They learned the content of God's word by listening to it and memorizing it. And we can do the same today. Years ago, I remember when the Bible first came out on CDs, and many of us love those. I remember I was so excited that I could play that as I was driving and or doing housework or whatever. But today, it's even easier. We have the Bible on our phones, on our desktop computers. It's in digital format that makes it very easy for us to listen to at any time. The U version is one that I use on my phone, and I highly recommend it. There's others, but uh, this one is probably the most used one. It's available online at Bible.com, or you can just get it in either one of the app stores on your phone. It's available for phones, tablets, desktop, and you can even have Alexa read it to you if you want to do it that way. You can also listen to it in several different versions. And the bottom line is, If you don't like to read, listen to the Bible. It's a great way to get that content into your life. And one more thing that I think is really worth mentioning, even if you do like to read the Bible, try listening to it. I found that I learned new things doing that. Somehow just different levels of meaning come through that I didn't consider when I was just reading that I do when I hear the words. Try listening when you're exercising or cooking or other tasks, driving, whatever. Now, of course, this is not any in-depth study, but you'll be surprised at how much of it will stay with you. Also, try listening to a contemporary translation, such as the message. Now, let me give you an example of this. For me, hearing the modern translations makes it much harder to ignore the application of that particular passage. I want to share with you again just one example from 1 Corinthians 13. That's the chapter on love. And here it is in the King James Version. And many of us have heard this before or are familiar with it when it says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Charity never faileth. But here it is in the message version. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel. Love never dies. And I must admit that when I first heard this chapter in the message, it really struck me, um, particularly that line for some reason, doesn't keep the score of the sins of others. 
I didn't realize that was in 1 Corinthians 13. And there are so many things that when we hear it in a new version, perhaps it can touch our hearts in a new way and give us a realistic view of what it means to apply that passage. Reason number two, why you haven't read the Bible in chronological order. We think that the Bible is somehow different than any other book and how we should read it. Now this is really kind of goofy, but bear with me for a few minutes while I talk about it. We wouldn't read any other book that we cared about in the way that we read the Bible. We wouldn't jump around from passage to passage, here a little, there a little, and say we read the book. In fiction books, with the exception of flashbacks or other literary devices, we read and experience events and character development in their natural, time-dictated sequence for the story to make sense and for us to get to know the characters. In a nonfiction book, we need to know the premise, the background, the arguments for the practical recommendations that follow, again, for the message of the book to make sense. To illustrate the truth of this, consider what would happen if you jumped into the middle of a Harry Potter novel filled with Muggles, Quidditch, Dumbledore, and Hogwarts, started watching The Wizard of Oz for the first time in the middle of the movie, and you see a young woman, a lion, a scarecrow, and a tin man marching down a yellow brick road. Or you open a book on the Paleo diet and you find these terms. Paleo primal, autoimmune protocols, leaky guts, and ketogenic. All the above are nothing more than a confusing collection of characters and terms if you don't read the entire book or watch the entire movie each one is in. But they all make perfectly good sense if you read the entire book or watch the movie from start to finish and meet each term and character in context. It's no different with the Bible. For someone who did not grow up listening to the Bible stories or perhaps grew up in the church and wasn't paying much attention, how much sense does it make when you hear about Shem, Jeroboam, Barnabas, or about atonement, sanctification, and justification? We wouldn't claim to know the least bit about Harry Potter or the Wizard of Oz or the Paleo Diet if we only dipped into a few pages of each book or minutes of the movie here and there, even if we had favorite pages or favorite scenes that we went back to again and again. If we only pick and choose favorite passages, we couldn't honestly say we understood the world of Harry Potter or why Dorothy wanted to meet the wizard. Reason number three why you haven't read the Bible in chronological order. You have a way of reading the Bible that is working just fine, thank you. Let's face it, we all have our favorite ways of doing things, habits that make us feel good. Maybe we prefer rereading favorite passages again and again. Also, there are plenty of devotional books that pick out parts of the Bible that make sense to contemporary readers, along with helpful comments on them. Isn't that enough? No, it isn't. <laughs> That's not how God intended the Bible to be read. God gave us the entire book, and he expects us to read the entire book for it to do what it's intended to do. As he tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Scripture can't do its God-ordained work of perfecting us and preparing us for all God wants us to do if we substitute 
all scripture with only the passages that I like or that make me feel good. <laughs> Which, if you do that, if you only read parts of the Bible that you like, this can lead to an incomplete, incorrect view of God. If we don't read the entire Bible without intentionally meaning to, we will often read passages that support our view of how we think God is supposed to act. And that almost always means we think he should act in ways that will make us feel good, keep us safe, and prosper us in finances, health, and every other way. But life doesn't work like that. God doesn't behave like that, and when the disconnect between our assumptions and life experience is too great, the result can be disappointment with God. If we experience disappointment, it's not because the real God has failed, but because we believe in a God created in our own minds based on oftentimes on a limited Bible reading about him. If we read the entire Bible, we see that God never promises this life will be easy. But the overall arc in the Bible is to redemption and ultimate good and complete healing, though it may not be in this earthly life. Instead of a false view of God that disappoints, we will have a true view of God that will get us through whatever challenges and tragedies we face. Please see the lesson, Seven Truths About Trials, and why we need the Bible to help us through them for much more on this topic. I promise it will encourage you. Reason number four, why you haven't read the Bible in chronological order. You don't want to change anything in your life. In the first lesson in this series, we talked about how reading through the Bible isn't safe, that it can challenge and transform every part of your life. And perhaps, truth be told, you don't want that. You might have challenges and fears right now, but you've learned to live with them. You're comfortable with your level of Bible knowledge. You feel like you're in a safe place. But it's sometimes difficult to please God if your primary concern is just to stay in a safe place. It's no accident that some of the least read books of the Bible have some of the most challenging lessons in them. Leviticus and Numbers are difficult. They're all about sacrifices that illustrated the continuous cost and penalty of sin. They aren't pleasant reading. It's bothersome to think that even though God may not require we follow the ceremonial law to be reminded in verse after verse that he does care about the details of our lives. We may be challenged to examine our lives in a way that is not entirely comfortable if we read these books. The minor prophets are difficult. When you read the integrated account of Old Testament history with that of the prophets who spoke at specific times, it can be incredibly jarring to find out that an often repeated theme in these books is that Israel went into captivity because they did not care for the poor and the rich took advantage of those less fortunate. When the verse, I'm going to quote Micah 6, 8, to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God is understood in its historical context. It becomes much more than a t-shirt slogan. But even though reading through the Bible in chronological order isn't safe, it's good. 
It's good to read the entire Bible. That's what God intends for us to do. It's good because when we do it, we will grow in our Christian lives and become all He intends for us to be. It's good because we will grow in knowing God as He truly is, not a fantasy God of our creation. And finally, number five, why you haven't read the Bible in chronological order. We don't realize how essential it is. Somehow many Christians today think that knowing the Bible is optional, that it's something for professional Christians like pastors or for what we would call super Christians or for uptight legalistic religious people, and we don't want to be like that. But we won't learn the truth about life, love, purpose, sin, or salvation from any other source because the Bible is our lifeline. I love this quote from J.I. Packer where he says the scriptures are the lifeline God throws us in order to ensure he and we stay connected while the rescue is in process. Without this lifeline, we can drown in the lies of culture and media. And I don't need to tell you that the things you see on television and movies and all of these different things, and I don't want to sound like some prophet of doom, but we know that they aren't based on the truth. They aren't based on what will cause us to live a life that's pleasing to God. But when we grab onto the Bible, when we learn and live by the truth in it, we can say safely get through all the challenges and trials, joys and sorrows of this life and forever. The final challenge then and application is to grab and hold on to your Bible. And to do that, there's one more reason why it's hard to read the Bible in chronological order. And that's because our Bibles aren't organized in that way. That's what our next lesson is about. And I'll tell you about why they aren't. But don't worry. In addition to that, Bible 805 has reading plans that have it all figured out for you. And much, much more that will help you read the Bible in chronological historical order or listen to it, whichever one you want. And I guarantee it's going to make a huge change in your life. I have so much more coming up for you. So please either listen to the podcast or watch the video on what's new for 2021. And I'll tell you all about it. This has been part two of our three-part series on reading or listening to your Bible in chronological order. Number one, we went through the nine benefits of reading your Bible in chronological historical order. This lesson has been on five reasons why you probably haven't read your Bible in chronological historical order. And the one coming up, the next one, the last one in this series is why our Bibles aren't in chronological historical order. Please listen to or watch all of them for a full understanding of this topic. And remember that www.bible805.com is your hub to link you to related materials designed to help you know, trust, and apply your Bible. That's all for now. Check out the notes from this lesson's Bible reading schedules, related resources, and helpful links again at the website www.bible805.com. And if the podcast has been useful to you, please consider supporting it through your donations and prayers. For links on how to do that, again, check out the website www.bible805.com. And thank you in advance so much for your greatly needed help and support. In closing, I'm Yvonne Pran, 
your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus. And I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from concupiscence May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest, from loneliness to knowing you are loved, from turmoil to peace, from wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.